it ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. Paul, all year we've had this ongoing battle uh, with Dolphins fans between wins and draft picks. It looks like everybody got what they wanted today. The Dolphins were 17-point underdogs heading into this game, and they pull off, get this, the biggest upset in the NFL over the last 24 years. And by that, I've got some data to back myself up on this. Um, The last time that a team won when 17-point underdogs was the Washington Redskins in Heath Shuler's rookie year, December 1st, 1995. The Dolphins win this game 27 to 24, take down the New England Patriots, jump to 5 and 11 on the year, but more importantly, rob the Patriots of a bye in the playoffs for the first time in 9 years. So, I live in Missouri, you live in Connecticut, so you have a better perspective than me. How does it feel up there in New England now? Well, it's rainy, it's damp, it's cold, and it feels like Freaking paradise! It's, I mean, good lord! It's such a good feeling. Not only that the Dolphins won today, not only that there were the "Let's Go Dolphin" chants at at Arrowhead uh, during the game, but the fact that you look at the last five games, the Pats are a team that historically don't lose at home. Earlier in the season, somebody ran a stat line where I think they were like one twenty and twenty over their last. 140 games at home Uh, you look at I think that was since 2002 you look at the last five games for the Patriots and make no mistake the Pats are the evil empire you either love the Pats or you absolutely hate the Pats no matter which team you root for last five games they are two and three in December they are one and two at home which is not a very Pats-like stat line. And I told all of our listeners before the game, and it's no secret right now, the way you beat the Patriots is you make Tom Brady throw the ball. You ask Eric Rowe, he's going to be a fan of that. It's a great feeling being up here in New England right now. The Pats are not going to rattle off four straight right now against playoff contenders. Their record's padded by games against the NFC East, against the AFC East, let's face it. Their record is padded right now. And this could be the beginning of the end as Miami's an ascending team because you look at what they're doing with a CFL roster. I can't wait till they have an NFL roster next year and even more so the following year. You know, you say the beginning of the end, and in previous years, I, w- I would tell you what I tell every Dolphins fan is, why do you keep doing this to yourself? But I, I actually think this year and where we sit right now, I kind of actually get that feeling for once. Tom Brady's going to be 43 years old next year, and he just had his worst season by far. And he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Bill Belichick is inching his way closer to 70 years old. And I'm actually starting to kind of get that feeling a little bit. I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to overtake the division, uh, but I'm starting to feel like the Patriots may start to take a step back here. I'm completely with you. It's it's 
unless they can find the next Bill Belichick, which there hasn't been one, if Belichick's grooming McDaniels to be his successor, I know you and I have talked about this off the air. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, I can't wait because that team will implode if McDaniels takes over and he doesn't have daddy there to to keep the roster in check for him. And, and without Brady, uh, I, I will say they do have some impressive players. It's, I mean, Stephon Gilmore, Sony Michelle. They do have some impressive young players. Don't get me wrong. And it feels fun saying Stephon Gilmore being impressive and young at this point because speaking of daddy's DVP was his today. But really, it's that this is a team that's about to lose the two biggest faces of their organization after losing Gronk to retirement last year. Yeah, and with Stephon Gilmore, look, I I think this guy's incredible. I think the Bills were crazy for letting him walk a few years ago. Every piece of praise he's gotten this year, I think he's earned. Devontae Parker ate his lunch today. I mean, he what, 11, 12 targets to Devontae Parker? He has eight catches for 137 yards, and he, he should have been – he drew one pass interference call, and he should have drawn another one too. Devontae Parker goes over 1,200 yards on the year. Ryan Fitzpatrick goes over 3,500 yards. And I made the point before the game, and I tweeted this out, that I thought it was important for Fitzpatrick and Parker to have a big game and for the offense to have a big game because they lost 43 to nothing in week two this year. And if they went down to New England and got steamrolled uh, by, you know, 17, 20, 25 points and the offense didn't play well, regardless of, of how well the offense has played in recent weeks, then I don't think that would have mattered as much heading into the offseason. No, not at all. But I, the other area I want to throw some credit to here is that patchwork secondary right now. We've got a lot of injuries in the secondary. We, we've got Tay Hayes and, and Nate Brooks playing significant snaps and, and Adrian Colbert, Nick Needham. And really, they held Brady to 221 yards, had a pick six out of Eric Rowe. Hayes, or I'm sorry, Brooks and Rowe in, in their homecoming to New England, Brooks let them know they should have elevated him from the practice squad. He was thumping people all over the field today. He was very critical down the stretch. And, and, and really, this secondary played really well. They, they, they held Brady to 16-29. to 29. Yeah, he had two touchdowns. Whoop-de-doo. He didn't complete more than three passes to any one receiver. And, and he only threw for 221 yards. That is not a Brady stat line. And if you look back to, to earlier this season when Miami played against the Pats, they toned down everything bad that happened in that game completely in this one. And, and really, overall, ate, ate the Pats lunch, even though it was close score-wise. Yeah, it was 10 to nothing at one point. And then, then the Patriots kicked a field goal, and then it's 10 to 10 at halftime. And you start to get that feeling that the Patriots are really coming back in the second half. It's going to end up being that 31 to 13 or 31 to 17 type game. And the Dolphins come out right after halftime and force a three and out, get the ball back, have a 70-yard drive capped off by Ryan Fitzpatrick's two-yard run, going up 17 to 10 and then it was kind of back and forth throughout the rest of the game capped off at the end with Mike Gesicki and he 
goes up the seam. He stacks strong safety Patrick Chung, goes upfield, catches the ball for a touchdown with 30 seconds left. My wife is a Chiefs fan, and my in-laws are uh, have instructed me that the Dolphins needed to win this game, and they certainly did. But Mike Kosicki and Devontae Parker, these are two players you need to throw the ball up to. I don't care who is the quarterback here moving forward. They really are, and, and I'm glad that it was either DVP or, or, or Gasicki that got the touchdown at the end. Uh, while I think DVP deserved it, it was a good exclamation point for Mike Gasicki on, on a season where I don't think he started off well, but he got stronger and stronger as we went along. And, and I won't discount here Isaiah Ford, who added seven catches for 54 yards, Albert Wilson, who added five catches for 59 yards. Miami's got a very strong receiving core heading into next year that's going to get back Jakeem Grant. It's going to get back Preston Williams. And barring a player you can't refuse falling them in the draft, there is no way that they have to take a wide receiver. Would I turn down C.D. Lamb? Hell no. But they don't have to take a receiver here and can only add to the strength if they do. They need to add somebody behind Gasicki at tight end. Durham Smythe had some struggles today and some drops. But this receiving core, love what I saw out of them today against a very good secondary. Yeah, C.D. Lamb's a different story because if the Dolphins had any need at wide receiver, he'd be one of my favorite players in this draft. In fact, it's a very, very deep wide receiver year. Um, But, yeah, you're right. I mean, Preston Williams coming back next year, Devontae Parker, Isaiah Ford, yeah, seven catches for 54 yards. He also had one rush for 11 yards on a trick play. It seems like the guy had a had a career day, but just had 54 yards. But he, th- those are tough catches, and you know. And I, I was listening to the broadcast from um, Joe Rose and Jimmy Cephalo and, and Bob Greasy afterward, and they said they hit the nail on the head. Is every time on third down or when the, the clock's ticking down in Ryan Fitzpatrick's head, he's going to Isaiah Ford and he's looking his way. That is a huge compliment for a player like that. At, at this point. So kudos to Isaiah Ford, even though it's only seven catches for 54 yards. But, Paul, let's take a look at the quarterback spot to start off our grades. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 28 for 41, 320 yards and a touchdown. To put that in perspective, the last time a quarterback had over 320 passing yards against the Patriots defense, we know how dominant they were earlier this year, uh, it was week six of last season, 333 yards from Mitch Trubisky. Ryan Fitzpatrick at 320 in this game, finishes the year with over 3,500 yards passing. You know, again, moving the ball downfield, downfield, downfield all game. It's one thing to do this against the Bengals, one thing to do this against the Eagles, but to go down to New England and to put them out of a playoff bye with 320 passing yards, I think that's a little bit something different. It's an A all day for me with Ryan Fitzpatrick in the quarterback spot. I'm with you on the A. Don't forget he added the rushing touchdown as well. His big fat ass looked absolutely elusive in the pocket today. He made some plays happen with his feet, and I'm with you on the A. Great reasoning. At running back, Patrick Laird, 11 carries, 21 yards. Uh, We saw another face in Samaje Pirine. He had a nine-yard run. You know, he looked good. He looks like a big back. You know, he he split time with uh, Joe Mixon at at Oklahoma. He spent some time in the Bengals practice squad. 
I was hoping they were going to give him the ball a little bit more as the game progressed, but they they didn't because they they got very very Fitzmagicy as the game continued to go along. So, yeah, but a running back again, I, I've got to go by my rule. If you're not going to average over three yards a carry, I can't give you anything higher than a than a C plus, and that's what I'm going to go with here again at running back. Running back was the weakest position for me today. They they didn't get a lot done, and it, it's very weird that they didn't get a lot done in the running game considering how much of the how many facets of the game they dominated. They they had a few receptions out of the backfield and, and were helpful in that regard. But overall, I'm with you and and I'm going to go lower than you here. I'm I'm going to go with a C minus. And the intriguing thing to me with this is, is the fact that despite the limited amount of rushes and the limited effectiveness coming out of the backfield, Miami absolutely owned owned time of possession 34 minutes to 26 and that's with the pass being effective in the running game today absolutely at wide receiver and tight end we talked a lot about a lot of it a couple minutes ago uh Devontae parker career day eight catches 137 yards and mike Gesicki catches the game winning touchdown isaiah ford seven catches 54 yards but my biggest question that i'm going to keep going back to albert wilson Another good game, five catches, 59 yards. And if you look at the last three games, he's got, I've got it somewhere here, uh, 17 catches for 197 yards. If you take those three games and uh, forecast those over 16 of 16 game season, you've got 90 catches, over 1,000 yards on the season, and you've got a versatile player in Albert Wilson. So I'll ask the same question again this week. Heading into the offseason, Straight up, are you cutting Albert Wilson and saving eight to nine million dollars? At this point, no, no I'm not. Eight million dollars for ninety catches and a thousand yards. Any team in the league would sign up for that. As long as you believe he can stay healthy, you don't cut him. Yeah, that's the question here. Because uh, w- would he have that over a sixteen game season, especially if Preston Williams is coming back? I don't know if he would, but he, he certainly has played well over the last three weeks. I would still make that cut and, and use those dollars on different positions, even though the Dolphins do have a lot of money. It's very simply, in this offense, I, I've seen so many wide receivers step up. Isaiah Ford is the recent example of that. But, you know, we, we talked about everything here. And it, as far as Devontae Parker's concerned, the biggest compliment from Stephon Gilmore, who I still think is the best cornerback in the NFL, is – with under a minute left in the Dolphins in the red zone, Stephon Gilmore actually backed off Devontae Parker and gave him the easy seven-yard out route. That is intense respect for, for, for DVP right there. 1,202 yards on the season, great for him, and I'm giving this wide receiver unit an A as well. I'm giving the wide receiver unit an A+. Plus. Wow. It may sound weird with only one, one, one receiving touchdown, but they got heavily involved in the gimmicky game today as far as the, the throwbacks, et cetera. And, and the one thing I want to go back to with the Albert Wilson piece, because I, I was enamored with the wide receiver position today. I didn't love Durham Smythe at times, but wide receiver and tight ends, it, it, they won this game for the Dolphins as far as I'm concerned. They were going against a very good secondary and were not outmatched. And that's with two, without two of their top receiving threats in Jakeem Grant and Preston Williams for this one. And they didn't put Clyde Walford 
out there that I, I can recall, which is a big win for me. So really, I, I can go with the A-plus. But the Albert Wilson piece, the only way that I'm cutting Albert Wilson is if I don't believe he can stay healthy. If I don't believe that, I make that cut. If Miami goes out and spends heavily in free agency and gets to the point where they're cap-strapped and they need the space, and it comes down to Albert Wilson or Brandon Scherf, I make that move all day. Strengthen, strengthen the entirety of the team by subtraction there and, and strengthening that, that left guard position, strengthening the interior of that line that struggled at times. It comes down to Derrick Henry or Albert Wilson. Yes, Derrick Henry. Sure, make that move all day. But Miami is projected to have possibly up to $150 million in cap space after some of the, the expected cuts. And, and with that being the case, I'm not subtracting from a unit of strength until I need to or it makes sense. And right now, it doesn't for me. Two, two things on that is if we keep going back to Alvar Wilson because I think it's an mm-hmm. interesting point. Is Even though the Dolphins have a lot of money, I'm still not willing to pay $9.5 million to somebody who I, I don't think is worth that value at this point. It doesn't mean he's not a good player, but for a wide receiver – Nine and a half million is a lot of money, and I don't think that Albert Wilson over a full season would be able to to hold up what he's done over the last three games because there are just so many footballs there to go around. But on the other side of that, one thing I don't want to see is if you cut Albert Wilson, I don't want you signing or drafting a wide receiver anywhere. I mean, this is a team that with Ryan Tannehill – they traded Ryan Tannehill and basically ate what six or seven million dollars in cap space to buy a draft pick, and then also they ate a lot of money in buying a draft pick for Robert Quinn, who's also a talented player with ten plus sacks this year. So, look, if you're going to put Isaiah Ford in there and Jakeem Grant as the third and fourth receiver, then I'm fine with that. But I, I don't want to cut Albert Wilson, save nine and a half million, and then turn around and draft a wide receiver in the first or second round. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, unless something extravagant, like, and I know I keep going back to this name, but I love every bit of game tape I've watched on him. If a CD lamb falls to you and say, you can't move out of your draft spot, your, your left tackles, your you'd like there aren't there. The quarterbacks you want aren't there. Uh, Jeff Akut is off the board and C.D. Lamb's your guy, say you you manage to slide back a little bit, C.D.'s there, I'm not turning away C.D. in any way, shape, or form so long as I'm not ignoring another position of need where, where there's an equally good or better player. If C.D. falls to the late first round, then we might have a different discussion because I, I do love him too. Um, anyway, uh, let's move on to the final position on offense here. And that's the offensive line. And, and at first glance, I thought this unit had a pretty good day. But I, I rewatched the game a couple of times here, and I, I changed my opinion a little bit. And I'm really disappointed with Jesse Davis because I saw him uh, – I, I saw Lawrence Guy and Dietrich Wise really get the better of him uh, on these snaps. But then again, you know, if you're throwing the ball every down, these these defenders tend to just pin their ears back. But – I was expecting a little bit of a better game here out of Jesse Davis, but overall the offensive line let up two sacks 
and the running backs, though, too, did not do a, a very great job either. Um, I think I thought it was a very good game for Michael Dieter, one of his better days as a pro. And at left tackle, my eyes may be deceiving me, but I think Julian Davenport has played better and better as the season has gone along. And it's not a surprise. I mean, this is a guy that was a you know, former fourth-round pick out of Bucknell. But, you know, too much penetration, and I, I keep seeing Ryan Fitzpatrick ducking out early. That might be part of his style, but I, 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 I didn't see great work in pass protection. And then in run blocking, under three yards of carry, too. So I'm going to go with a C for the offensive line. I'm going with a B minus for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, but I also think this line has overachieved more and more as the season wore on. They're not great by any stretch. It's one of the biggest needs this off season is upgrading that offensive line as well as running back and pass rush. But that being said, I think they had a decent day against a pretty good defensive front for the Patriots. They allowed two sacks. Yeah, the running game didn't get going. But at the same time, we've got a third down running back and a couple of tryouts in that backfield repeatedly as we've worn on here. I can't put it all on the offensive line that the running back position has sucked this year. We haven't had a running back other than Kenyon Drake, who wasn't really utilized. So I can't put that all on the offensive line. They went up against a playoff team that was fighting for a bye in this game that has a very good secondary that gives you a little bit more time to penetrate. And and they held their own in this one. So, you know what, I think I actually just talked myself up to a B for this offensive line based on how they overachieved, the defense that they were playing against, the intelligent scheming that you always see from Bill Belichick to create penetration, the fact that the Patriots blitzed heavily early in this game and they held up and I can give them a B for this one. Kind of like with the rest of the roster, I see a lot of good third, fourth and fifth type of guys on this offensive line. Mm-hmm. I thought Dan, Dan Kilgore had a good game. Jesse Davis. I, I was disappointed with Michael Dieter can to me played well for the second game in a row. So It'll be interesting to see um, what resources they add on the offensive line as we go along. I'm still looking for a little bit more. Um, I was I wanted to see Jesse Davis come out there and play a hell of a game. I didn't see that when I when I rewatched the game on defense, Paul. You know, we got 20 minutes into this game and the Patriots had 39 yards of total offense, and the Dolphins were dominating the time of possession. And then uh, after a 50-yard completion to Philip Dorsett suddenly the score is 10 to 10 at halftime, but this defense certainly held their own as they went along. So I'm going to start with the front seven. They allowed 4.8 yards a carry to the opposing running backs with Sony Michelle leading the way there with 84 yards. So what would you grade the front seven? I'm going to grade them probably a little bit better than you. um, I think. I'm actually going to give the front seven, I'm going to give them a B plus right on the cusp. I don't think there was quite enough pressure up front, but Van Ginkle, since he came back from, from IR has been better and better and better and led the way with tackles today. Davin Gotchow is turning into an absolute animal on that offensive line. Trent Harris added five tackles and a sack in this one. Baker forced a fumble 
I, I think he had six tackles and three assists in this one. And, and Sam McGuavin recovered a fumble. And, and really, they held up even though they were without some of their best run defenders in this one, some of their best pass rushers. And they went blow for blow against a very good offensive line. Yeah, they allowed some rushing yards. Not going to fault them there. The, the Pats' strength is their running game right now. And they helped keep keep the Pats away from it. So, yeah, I I can go with a B-plus for them right on the cusp of an A-minus because I thought they played very well overall today. I, I was I was impressed overall by how they played. That's why I'm going to give them a B-minus. I mean, 4.8 yards a carry, It's that, that's a pretty big chunk of yardage there. But they also stayed in their lanes, too. They, they didn't let any running back uh, – Sony Michelle or Rex Burkhead break a long run. Maybe it's because of, the, of their lack of breakaway speed, but I, I thought they stayed pretty well in their lanes. I, I thought Christian Wilkins had a very good game. Davin Gotcha had a good game. John Jenkins, I saw, got tossed around a little bit more. Um, Trent Harris is somebody that, you know, we keep talking about these players who may make the roster for 2020. I think Trent Harris right now has done that. Second week in a row with a sack and a big play, but more importantly, He's also somebody who is versatile and plays a lot of snaps on special teams, too. And it's very telling at this point that Trent Harris and Andrew Van Ginkle are the ones getting the snaps, not Taco Charlton, not Charles Harris. And I think those two players have something really to worry about as we look forward here to 2020. Um, one thing I docked the front seven on, too, is you know there was a sequence there when the Dolphins were up 10-3, to where Andrew Van Ginkle whiffed on a tackle and Nikhil Harry went for 12 yards and then Jerome Baker had a late hit out of bounds. That's a 27-yard play, and it ends up at the end of the drive with the, with the Patriots tying the game 10-10. to But, you know, I'm going to stay with a, with a B-minus for that. At defensive back, you know, Julian Edelman, three catches for 26 yards. He had, Heading into the game, he had 97 for – over 1,100 yards, three for 26. And we were worried about this heading into the game, Paul, because, you know, Jamal Wiltz is a player that's grown on us quite a bit, and he was out for this game. And he is really the only slot cornerback that the Dolphins had left. But um, also Eric Rowe, good for him, pick six against Tom Brady. He had his only interception of the year called back against the Bengals last week. That would have been a game-clinching interception. Uh, what a solid player this guy has turned into. At cornerback, you know, I, I think we're starting to see a difference between Tay Hayes and Nate Brooks because Nate Brooks, you know, the Dolphins are up 10 to nothing there 20 minutes into the game. Third and 11, this guy's talking trash and he, he lets up a, a, a pass interference penalty when he could have very easily tackled wide receiver Philip Dorsett shy of the first out and then he gets beat late. he gets beat the next play for 50 yards so but overall i mean <laughs> you took a guy bunch of guys off the street and they they held their own against the patriots and against tom brady they have as much reason for why the dolphins won as anybody here so yeah i mean i'm going to give them an a minus here i'm going to give them yeah Don't i'm going to go a with an a here uh, no just an a <laughs> I'm just, just an a I only gave one. A, I think I've only given one A plus this year, and it was today. But in reality, you look at the fact that they held up against 
the shadow of Tom Brady and, and a very good wide receiving core, and in especially Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman, they they managed to be pesky all day long. They added a pick six here out of Eric Rowe, and, and what they're able to do with this coaching staff with no pass rush whatsoever for the most part in this game, and, and basically be a huge factor in winning this game for the Dolphins here and against the playoff-bound team and in Foxborough. I'll give them an A. I, anytime you add a pick six, that boosts the grade for me. I'm going to throw it back to you for uh, special teams. That fake punt, if we can call it that, was a little bit of a joke. But outside of that, I thought most of the special teams was very solid today. Matt Hawk has gotten to be reliable down the stretch. And Jason Sanders, I don't think Miami needs to really worry about kicker unless they've got somebody that can come in and boom the ball. Pat's had one kickoff return today. He continued to kick the ball out of the end zone, made both his field goals, made, you know, or yeah, made both his field goals, three for three on extra points. I don't like Davis returning kicks, but he's what the eighth option returning kicks after, you know, everybody else ended up on IR, I think at this point. So in reality, they, they tackled well on special teams. I'm going to go with a B plus just because of the stupidity of the way that they handled that fake punt situation. If you want to call it that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll go with a B on there. There's very little to grade. Sanders hit his field goals. Matt Hawk was very good here today. Um, yeah. If, if we're judging the special teams unit uh, on that, on that first play, first drive, where it's fourth and three, Matt Hawk, I mean, it wasn't even a fake punt. He basically dropped back like like he was Tom Brady and threw the ball to Deion Lacey, and the ball sailed six yards out of bounds. I'm I'm not quite sure what happened there. Trevor Davis then, a couple minutes later, muffs a punt. Luckily, the Dolphins jump on it. Later on in the game, too, um, Brandon Bolden, former Dolphin, lifelong Patriot, returns the ball to the to the Patriots' 40. That could have had some some dire dire consequences there. So, yeah, overall, I'm going to give him a B because I, I think it, the rest checked out. I'm pretty much pointing at the negatives here here on that. So, Paul, I'm going to throw it back to you. Player of the game and Coke Bus player of the game in our final breakdown here of the final game. Ooh, player of the game. I wanted to give it to DVP. I really did. I wanted to give it to Kasiki. I really did. But I've got to go with Eric Rowe especially after having his one interception year wiped out last week against the Bengals, adding that pick six coffin nail early in the game. I've got to give it to Rowe here. He just, he added a pass defense. He had four tackles. He seemed to be all over the field and really in a depleted secondary made such a difference in this game. Good for him. I, I, as much of a goat as he was for us early in the year, the fact that he, since the move to safety has been lights out for the Dolphins. I love having this guy on the team, which is something I never thought I'd say throughout the preseason and the early portions of the, of, of the regular season this year. I can't wait to see him back next year with, with a better secondary around him. Player of the game is easily Eric Rowe for me. As far as Coke Bus player of the game, well, we just spent a little bit of time talking about Trent Davis. That muffed punt, 
the fact that really he had a chance at a free play after the Patriots batted the ball out of the end zone, ran like he was going to do it, and then thought better of it and, and left it alone. He just is not the answer returning punts. I think I'd rather have Christian Wilkins back there. He's not the answer returning kickoffs. I, I think I'd rather have Davin Gottschall back there or Jesse Davis. Yeah, I hate to give um, it to a special teams player, but Coke Bus it is. Yeah, I I, I get. I, I don't think you're going to find him anywhere on the team next year. Um, he was or basically NFL. a hired gun for, for a kick returner. My player of the game. I, I mean, I, I'm really going back and forth between between two players, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Devontae Parker. I'm going to give it to Devontae Parker because I thought what he did against Stephon Gilmore, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, was special. I mean, <clears throat> this is a player in Gilmore that shuts down elite wide receivers week in and week out. They base their defense around it. And to go in there in a game where the most important game of the year for the Patriots and, to, you know, a couple minutes or 30 seconds left in the game, you're playing off Devontae Parker after he has, you know, eight catches for 130 yards against you. That's something else. Good for Devontae Parker. What a great season. Great season for uh, Fitzpatrick here toward the end, too. My Coke bus player here is going to be cornerback uh, Nate Brooks. Um, you know, it's it's hard to pick on somebody like this, but the biggest thing is I, I think we saw a clear difference between Tay Hayes and Nate Brooks in this game. He had that <clears throat> pass interference penalty when it was third and 11 when the Dolphins were up 10 to nothing. That completely turned the tide of the game. I mean, the Dolphins could have, when you take a look at how the game ended, the Dolphins could have started to steamroll the Pats a little bit there in the first half, as crazy as that sounds. Um, but that that was a big play. And then on a couple plays later, Nate Brooks lets up a 50-yard pass there to, to Philip Dorsett. So he, he gets my Coke bus player of the game. I don't think he'll be on the team next year either. That's going to do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins-Patriots matchup here. Incredible victory. Dolphins 17-point underdogs. They come away winning the game, forcing the Patriots out of uh, the first round or out of the uh, playoff bye. And you can find Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. So, D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what we're